You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Happy Mother's Day, Boss Ladies. Motherhood is an incredible journey, and sometimes it can be a really wild ride, as we all know. Some of us come into motherhood through childbirth, others adoption, through marriage, foster parents, legal guardians, and everything in between. We all have such unique experiences, and each one should be celebrated. We invited some fellow boss mamas to share their amazing birth stories with us. Andrea, Melissa, and Taryn, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. We so appreciate it. So enjoy these stories, and we wish you all the happiest of Mother's Day. Hello and hi, I am Andrea Merrill with Virtually Adventurous and I'm a brand and website designer and SEO strategist and I'm really excited to be here today chatting about my birth stories. So I am a proud mama of five beautiful children and my journey started in 2008. Um, So with my first son, he's 12 and his his birthing journey was so, um, it was challenging to say the least. I was 19 years old. I had him at 20. Um, and it was actually a really hard, um, process. So actually they decided to induce me, um, at 39 weeks due to how large he was showing. Um, and I was excited and both nervous, um, of course, meeting my first child, but they ended up stripping my membranes about three days before. And they were hopeful that that would put me into labor where I was. Well, unfortunately, I did not go into labor. And because they left me for three days, there was a lot of bacteria. And um, it was very difficult and challenging. So when I say that when I got induced, they induced me three days later after doing that. Um, And what they did was they popped my water pretty much instantly after I had gotten there. I got on Pitocin, they popped my water and, um, they also made me remove like all jewelry just in case I needed to go in for an emergency C-section. So about 18 hours, um, I knew I was ready to push and, um, they actually were like, you know, if you're not ready to push, then we're going to bring you in for a C-section. And I was really against that. I did not want it. Um, I felt like I had a very good understanding. And I also knew that I was 10 centimeters at that point, but the doctor really wasn't coming in and checking on me like I had expected. Um, So anyways, I was 10 centimeters. It took about an hour and a half to push him out. But when he came out, he was so perfect, but he was sick. Um, He actually had septicemia and he had a really horrible fever. Um, and he, he was able to stay with me in my room for a little bit. Um, it was, you know, maybe a couple of hours I had taken a nap and then they had taken him to the nursery and then realized that he was really sick. He needed to be in the NICU. So, um, when I had woken up, I realized that he was not there and he was in the NICU. So I had to go down and, you know, spend time with him. But unfortunately, even if your child is in the NICU, it doesn't mean that you get to stay. So 
course, within, you know, those two, three days, um, they had sent me home and, um, I went home. I remember for a couple hours and me and my husband, um, you know, he was trying to get some rest and I just couldn't go to sleep because I wanted to be with him so badly. So, um, I ended up, we ended up going back up to the hospital and I would not leave. And the doctors and nurses even told me that I should go home, but I, I just couldn't leave. I needed to be with him. So I, um, actually, I ended up staying the entire time. So I sat in this chair, um, a couple days that went by and the nurses, um, actually offered us one of the rooms that they have, um, for me to stay in. And uh, me and my husband stayed in there and we knew that at any point in time, if there was a severe case, either, um, you know, parents needed to learn how to manage, um, you know, equipment to bring home or if there was an end of life. So we completely understood, but luckily nothing had happened. And I'm so glad because I was so emotional at that point, um, for myself, but also thinking, oh my goodness, this is what this room was used for. So, um, it was an interesting and definitely learned. Um, so with my second birth, um, I was also induced again at 39 weeks. Um, it looked a lot different. I did not allow any stripping of the membranes. I was very scared. Um, this is my 11 year old son. Um, so I was in labor probably six and a half hours and he came out. Um, it was a bit difficult, but we realized he actually broke his collarbone coming out. Um, and again, I was so nervous because of my first son, he was going to have to be in the NICU. So, um, luckily he did not, he just needed to be on our, a Billy Rubin light and with a broken collarbone, we actually didn't find that out until the first doctor's appointment. And it's cute. You get to make a little sling, but, um, they're highly resistant at that age. So it was not, you know, life altering or any issues with that. And he's, he's a healthy, strong, um, he looks like a football player, which makes sense because, um, his shoulders were so large, but we had a fairly beautiful, um, birthing story there. And then my third one, um, I had her in 2011 and, um, I actually was very sick in the beginning, um, being pregnant with her and it was life altering. Um, my gallbladder became, it made me so, so sick. And they actually brought me in. I was hospitalized for about three, four weeks. Um, I had to be on a pick line and then it came to a life altering decision. Um, they were trying to make sure that she was viable, um, before I went in for surgery, but I couldn't make it to that point. My gallbladder was making me septic. So I had to go in and remove my gallbladder, but she was perfect. She was actually overdue, um, by 41 weeks. And, um, but it was beautiful. They ended up inducing me, which is funny because at that point I was past my due date. Um, but she was perfect. She came on Halloween, uh, within one push, she came out and it was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, with pretty much all of my births, I have had my family in there and my children. So it's been very family oriented. And that was really big for me. Um, with the fourth, his was a beautiful pregnancy, a beautiful birth. I felt very much like a hippie. Like I wanted to have him at home. Like I wanted, um, to do like all of this. Like I just felt so good at the end of the day. Um, but I gave birth to him. We actually had no idea what the sex was with him. And we were able to announce that when we gave 
when I gave birth to him and my husband was able to announce it to our family. Um, and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. Um, I absolutely loved it. And then we thought we were all done having babies. And then I got pregnant with my fifth. Um, at that time I was having some health concerns and she's two years old now. So my kiddos are 12, 11, nine, six, and two. So my two-year-old, um, her pregnancy was very, very challenging. Um, I actually, they took out my birth control and, um, because I was having severe migraines at that point and, um, come to find out it, that's not what was causing it, but I did end up pregnant within a month. Um, but about halfway into my pregnancy at 20 weeks, my appendix ruptured and I didn't know it. I was very, very sick at home. Um, and I remember waking my husband up in the middle of the night and I knew I needed to go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and, um, throughout the night, you know, they put me on morphine, but the doctor had told me that he said I was just sick, that I could go home. But the nurse was very, very, um, concerned. And she told me to get a CAT scan before I left the hospital. Um, my husband had a, his appendix rupture when he was younger. So, um, it was, he, he very much wanted me to have this. So I got it done. Um, before I even got out, they already had a medevac there. Um, they were ready to airlift me to another hospital. So they, um, and I'm getting emotional. Um, so they, they put me on the, um, on the stretcher. So they air vacked me out and they said it was really bad. I needed to get to the hospital as soon as possible. So I got to the hospital, they checked me in, um, and I had, you know, the surgery, the surgery was wonderful, but unfortunately I had some complications after the surgery and, um, they needed to bring me back in and they placed a, um, no, they didn't do it at that point. So I had that extra surgery. Um, they were trying to relieve some, some fluid. Um, and I was in there for about another month or so. Um, I was in and out of the hospital a total of three months. And um, what happened was, is they sent me home. I was not even gone for um, a couple of a couple of, it was maybe, maybe a week or a couple of days. Um, and I ended up going into preterm labor and I had to go back to the hospital. And, um, after that, they, um, they were trying to get me to an okay place, um, being pregnant with her, um, and then having all of my complications. So what happened was, is I was also diagnosed with papilledemia. So I have actually fluid on my brain, um, and it's called a pseudo tumor and it pushes on my eyes, which causes issues as well. But, um, after this preterm labor, they ended up again, um, emergency sending me to another hospital. So I had to have this drain placed. Um, and what it did was it drained the fluid, um, that was piling up, um, in my stomach. I'm not exactly sure where it was, but I needed this drain because it was making me very sick. So, um, so they had that. They also were thinking about doing an induction because, um, at that point in time, I was also, um, 
I was losing fluid from my daughter and they were very concerned. So I had to stay, I had that drain placed. Um, and then also I was able to get enough fluid into me. It was able to build up more fluid around her and I was able to stay pregnant longer. I was very concerned at that point because I was about 32 weeks. Um, but then I got released again a couple weeks after that. Um, so maybe, no, I was about 28 weeks, sorry. Um, so about a, about a week, yeah, it was a couple weeks I was in the hospital. They had to monitor me. Um, and then they sent me home again. <laughs> and then after they had sent me home, I was hopeful that everything was going to be great. And unfortunately it wasn't, um, the drain had gotten really infected and I was very concerned with some bacterias. I was concerned with MRSA. Um, I felt like I really didn't have the type of care that I had needed, but, um, anyways, I had, I went to the hospital again, again with the same Thing, but I was concerned about a, around my drain that I had placed on my stomach. Um, and they were also concerned, but they had to swab it, sent it off, ended up the CDC had to call me and tell me that I did have MRSA and I needed to be hospitalized immediately. And um, again, I went back to this actually at the same hospital this time, instead of doing a transportation um, and they did admit me, um, they treated me for MRSA and they actually decided to remove the drain at that point. I was doing well, the drain wasn't really draining as much and it was so wonderful to hear because at this point I've had hundreds of I've had multiple CAT scans. I've had hundreds of ultrasounds and it was, I was so overwhelmed um, about uh, three months of ongoing of this. And it was just a really, really hard pregnancy. I was, I was sick and I just, I went through a lot of PTSD after this pregnancy. But um, so anyways, after I, I did well with the MRSA. Um, I, they healed me and I was sent home. And again, within a week, um, I was for the first time I was able to clean and do some nesting because I was not able to do any of that. I wasn't able to get any baby clothes ready or anything. Um, and I remember, um, we were cleaning up, we had a pack and play. I was like, let's put this up. Um, and at that point in time, I was 36 weeks and I was like, okay, I have a few weeks. Um, um, and it'll be great. So what happened was though, that next morning, early, early in the morning, um, I woke up to go to the bathroom and my water broke and it was, it was crazy to think. So I went to the hospital. I thought it was crazy. I told my husband, we went to the hospital and it was wonderful. So at that point, um, they actually told me they don't think that my water broke, but they wanted me to walk around. Um, so we walked around for about an hour, not even an actually was my husband told me we made it maybe one lap. And I was like, I got to go sit down. So when I went to sit down and at this point, from all of my past birthing stories, I was induced with every single one of them. So this was a whole new territory for me. So I ended up my, I walked in the room and my water broke the rest of the way. And the nurse was 
like we're going to have a baby today. So it was really exciting. Um, I was nervous. And at this point in time, um, it was just me and my husband. I actually didn't have my in-laws at this birth. It was the first one because we had lived in North Carolina and then moved to Arizona. So it was the first time not having my in-laws there, but it still was beautiful and amazing. Um, I remember my husband leaving to go pick up the kids and on the way back, um, he just made it in time for me to push. So it was an exciting experience. My kids got to experience the birth of their sister. And finally we were coming to an end of a, it seemed like a terrible, terrible pregnancy, but she was so perfect. Um, and I was excited to go home and I was excited for my in-laws to come and to just celebrate her. So at the end of a tragic pregnancy, it felt like, um, I had my baby, but it was a life-altering pregnancy. She changed me as I know it. Um, I almost died with her. I almost lost my life. And looking back at it, it was it was life-altering. And to be here and have my five beautiful children and also building my business because of her, I have my business. I no longer worked that nine to five. I was a behavior and trauma therapist but it was a true blessing to where I am today. And I'm so thankful for my children. And each one was so different, but they changed me and we are stronger mothers because of it. I hope you all have a beautiful, beautiful Mother's Day. And thank you for letting me share my birth stories. Hello, I'm Melissa Parnell. And this is my birth story. Um, back in, gosh, 2010, um, you know, I, my husband and I had moved to Honolulu, Hawaii for um, work. My husband was a brand new lieutenant with the Army in the Engineer Corps, and I had gotten hired with the Department of the Army as a contractor, um, working with battalions and brigades to reduce um, kind of stigma and uh, social norms around harmful behaviors and um, moving into health and safety. So um, as we were looking toward our future, we thought, you know, we'd love to have a baby. And, you know, we've been married for a few years and thought this is our time. And and so we kind of planned around having a baby and um, found out that I was pregnant just about eight weeks before my husband was deploying to Iraq for a year. Now, I always get asked the question, was this planned? <laughs> because if it was, it was terrible planning, and I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that we were, you know, we were 25 and 26 years old and dreaming of having a family and looking at, you know, um, we call it op tempo in the military, but basically your deployment schedule and knowing that um, we would be trying to have children and also experience multiple deployments over the years, we just decided let's jump in now. And, um, you know, it was an interesting thing going through the last stages of pregnancy and birth alone. 
um, my husband, you know, when Jonathan, he was uh, in Iraq and um, to express like what we experienced, I think it would be really significant loneliness. You know, I was um, living miles and miles and hours of a flight away from my closest family. And um, Jonathan was too, you know, he was in Iraq and had an important mission. Um, we both missed each other and our families. And there was some level of feeling very disconnected and also overconnected because we Skyped and talked often, um, but still there's this big vast space that can't be identified, right? It's the, there's still distance here and I can't hug you. Um, and so I went into birth with a a really big level of fear on what this was going to look like without a birth partner. And, um, you know, I was really terrified when I went into my doctor at my 36 week appointment and she said, you are dilated to a four. And if you sneeze, you're going to go into labor. And my, my mom wasn't, um, planning on coming to the Island until I was full term, because typically with your first baby, um, there were lots of averages and norms that, you know, talked about having your first baby on time or a little bit late and to expect that. So that's how I had planned and things weren't going according to plan. And I just was terrified. I thought I am going to be in this hospital in Honolulu giving birth by myself. And it was terrifying. So I called my mom and my dad and, um, my mom hopped on the next flight. And she got in right around 11 p.m. on January 10th, 2011. And um, just right after, so I picked her up from the airport with my friend, Lindsay, um, who had been such a big support through my pregnancy. And we drove home and I was really uncomfortable. I mean, I just didn't feel good. And... Um, you know, we got out of the car. I went in, you know, I said, good night, mom. It's late. I'm going to get ready and go to bed. And I put on my pajamas and I knew something big was going to happen. I jumped out of bed. I ran over to the bathroom and my water broke. Um, so at that point I knew like, okay, we're going to have a baby. So I went, uh, you know, up to my mom's room and I said, mom, my water just broke. We've got to go to the hospital. And so off we went we drove down on a very rainy Honolulu night um, to Queens Medical Hospital in Honolulu. And um, I was in labor for 33 hours. Um, it was a lot longer than I was expecting. It took a lot longer for um, just labor to get consistent. And um, I think the most terrifying part for me was, um, you know, I'd made the choice to have an epidural. And the choice being, I felt like I had so much that was out of my control. And I, I really felt like I was giving birth without my partner and, um, you know, just trying to manage all the things. Also having my partner in a, you know, in a combat zone, there was so much going on. So I thought, this is one thing I'm just going to relinquish. And um, it, it ended up being the scariest thing I ever went through. So having a, a needle enter your spine was the most scary thing I have ever experienced and definitely did not plan for. Um, it was terrifying. 
my mom was there and she held my hand and I got through it. Um, it was still terrifying. <laughs> so after 33 hours of labor and I, I was, I remember feeling kind of frustrated with my husband too. There's a lot of like internal emotions that go on with um, going through something so big and I kind of felt relatively unsupported emotionally um, and there was nothing he could do about it, right? He was in a foreign country and our time, you know, our time schedules were flipped. So during the night while I was laboring, he was out on mission. Um, it was just so much complexity that I had not planned forward as a, as a 25-year-old just looking forward to being a mama. Um, and then right when I thought that everything was going to be okay, my doctor said it's time to push. And I literally lost my mind. And I was like, nope, I'm not ready. And in my head, I was like, how can I not do this? Like, how can I talk them out of not having the baby? Like, I don't want to push a baby out and I don't want a C-section. I just don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. And in my head... My head was telling me, oh, but girl, yeah, you've got to do this. And uh, I kind of equate birth to death because, you know, like on the other side is something beautiful and peaceful. And the way there is really scary. And, um, you know, walking through something that's painful and different and something we've never encountered before. Um, but... The next morning, my little peanut, Evelyn Lila Parnell, was born. And when she was born, I imagined that I would be um, given this beautiful little dolly angel and that my heart would be exploding and it would be the most amazing experience of my life. And to my horror, I experienced the emotional opposite. So I looked over at my baby and I started to cry. And my mom, I will never forget this. She said, oh, Melissa, she's beautiful. And I remember crying and thinking, I wish I could see her that way. Um, and I think that was the first indication that postpartum depression was going to be a part of my birth story. Um, you know, in the next even, you know, year, um, I experienced highs and lows and frustrations and feeling kind of distanced from baby and feeling so much guilt about that distance. Um, I experienced different ranges of emotions like anger, sadness, deep devastation, loneliness. Um, I had a lot of personal and organizational with our battalion and company um, responsibilities and then also work responsibilities. And I was trying to juggle it all and thinking I could as a super mom and yet I was failing. So, you know, I, I noticed that um, I started gathering with other women and, and mamas and recognizing that I wasn't alone. And I started doing some research about postpartum depression and came to the realization that um, I was experiencing postpartum depression and anxiety. And anxiety was surfacing in so many ways that I was uncomfortable with, like anger. Um, you know, I, I've always been kind of a, I've thought of myself as a very pleasant person, like someone who's pretty easygoing. I love spending time with other people. 
and um, and this was not me. I didn't recognize myself. So, um, you know, I pushed I pushed hard and decided I needed to get into counseling and seek medication management. And that's what I did. I got on um, kind of a low dose at first um, supporter for depression, anxiety, what we call an SSRI. And I started seeing a counselor and talking about some of my fears and deep hurts and wounds and some of the ways that I was really walking through catastrophe, right? And um, it was a beautiful journey. What's interesting is I had this, this incredible fear that postpartum depression would intrinsically harm my relationship with my daughter. Um, but then learning more about attachment and how we grow and form attachments very well, um, I noticed that when I started learning my little Evelyn's love languages and what she really enjoys in connecting and started leaning into those and showing her that I love her and I care about her, two things happened. One, she felt seen and loved and adored as any child should. And um, two, I started to notice that my kind of dissociation or distancing my heart um, within postpartum depression started to become relieved. And so between counseling and medication and taking time to form those deep, sweet attachments, I developed the sweetest relationship with little Evelyn Lila Parnell. And she's 10. She actually turned 10 in January. And um, to this day, you know, we find that there are little things that we enjoy that are just between the two of us. I've since had um, her sister, Lorelai, who's six years old. Um, and, you know, that birth was so healing because my partner was there. And he held my hand through the whole thing, and he was there with me through the whole process. My doctors were incredible, um, and it was such a healing process of recognizing that, um, you know, my fear early on with my first baby was that postpartum depression was intrinsically a character flaw in me, and that I was simply, um, you know, a bad mom and a bad person, really. And experiencing birth four years later with Jonathan there and present and supportive and, and there afterward and lots of family support being in my home community, um, I didn't experience postpartum depression the second time. In fact, I experienced so much healing. Um, and so today, you know, um, little Evelyn and I, we enjoy things like going on walks together. She loves holding hands, which makes my heart melt because she's 10 and she still wants to hold my hand. So I do it whenever I can because <laughs> I know that time will pass. Um, but we love getting our nails done together and we love talking about books and stories and authors and um, drawing. She's so creative and we love doing projects together. So the moral of the story, at least my birth story, has been and kind of the redemption of the situation was um, number one, postpartum depression and anxiety can happen to anyone and in any circumstance. And it doesn't mean that you are bad. It simply means that there are some chemical um, disturbances that are going on in your world. And when we address them, we get better. 
and you start to see healing and growth and it takes time and persistence and caring gently for one for ourselves and each other um but that's you know it's sometimes part of our journey and also the story of redemption being able to experience a birth where i didn't have postpartum depression afterwards was so healing and amazing and being able to share that with my partner was just icing on the cake um jonathan and i love spending time with our girls today we love biking and hiking and skiing and camping and all the things that take us outside. And I get to work as an organizational psychologist. I get to work um, in organizations helping create systems and um, behaviors that build trust and um, supportive of an engaged environment where we can be the best at what we're doing. And together, we get to enjoy our world. So thank you for listening to my birth story, and I'm loving hearing others. Hey guys, so my name is Taryn, and I am the owner and founder of The Social Lifestyle Co., and I am here to tell you all about my birth story. So I am a proud mama of two. I have a daughter, Brooklyn, who is almost six, and then my son, Keaton, just turned two last week. So I'm here to tell you all about my birth story and is a big reason, honestly, why I started my business. And so let's go back to when I had my daughter, I was a single mother at the time, um, was not a planned pregnancy. I was young. I just turned 21 and found out I was pregnant. Um, it was a surprise, but I knew I wanted to keep her and I was totally prepared to go through the journey alone, obviously with my family by my side. Um, but my pregnancy was fairly normal. I felt great. I wasn't sick. I didn't have crazy cravings. Like my friends always made fun of me. They're like, you do not even seem pregnant. Like if you don't have a belly, like we wouldn't think that you were pregnant. And that's honestly how I felt. And then once I got towards the end of my pregnancy, around like 33 weeks, I started feeling really sick all the time. I was super nauseous, had super bad heartburn. Like I was really sick and just did not feel right. And my doctor started running all these tests. Things weren't coming back and they just kept testing because I was so sick. Like I couldn't even keep a cracker down. And then towards the end of my pregnancy, so around 35 weeks, I started testing um, because I was having issues with my liver. And then on my birthday, I actually got a call. I um, thought they were calling to say happy birthday, but that was not the case. Um, they were calling to tell me that I had a condition called cholestasis. So this is a liver disorder. And what's really scary about it is it can cause stillbirth. So most women or pretty much all women that get diagnosed with this are induced early in their pregnancy. And so they were like, Hey, you have this disorder. You're getting induced tomorrow. And I was like, what? <laughs> like thought I still had a month left. I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, this is real. This is happening. Um, I just, you know, I wanted what was ever going to be best for my daughter. And if that was going to be to induce me for the safety of her and for myself, then I was all for it. So I went in and I was induced with my daughter. 
like everything was fine. It took a little bit longer to get me going um, with being induced early. So I was at 36 weeks, but she was born and she was totally healthy, did not go into the NICU or anything, even though she was at 36 weeks. I didn't have any like shots, steroid shots or anything because it was so quick that it was all happening. Um, but she was totally healthy and that was like a pretty easy birth story even considering that it was a high risk. Um, so flash forward to when I had my son four years later, um, the year in general was very hard for me. I had lost my mother to cancer that May. And then we found out we were pregnant in August. We were on vacation when we found out we were super excited. And then we got home and we went to the doctor. Um, they weren't really finding a heartbeat. And so then I'm like, okay, like this isn't going to be a viable pregnancy. Um, just already had that mindset. And then a couple of weeks went by, they kept doing testing on my pregnancy and then everything came back. Okay. Um, what did come back though, was that I again had my condition cholestasis, which is very rare at an early pregnancy. Usually it's not diagnosed till the second or third trimester. And I was like at the very beginning of my first trimester. And she was like, I think it's like a like 5% chance or something like really low percent to get it as early on as I did, but I knew I had it. I had the same feeling I had at the end of my pregnancy with my daughter at the beginning of this pregnancy with my son. So I just knew that that was what was happening. And so I, you know, just went into it. I'm like, Hey, this is going to be a, a crazy pregnancy. My doctor even told me, you know, she's like, this is going to be a long pregnancy because Again, most people don't get diagnosed at the end. So everything that happens at the end of most people's pregnancy, you're going to have the whole pregnancy. So all of the time I was monitored, I went in like at the beginning, I went in like every two weeks or every three weeks. But as I got closer to my date, I was monitored every week at the doctor. I had to take medications every single day. Um, I knew I was going to be induced at 36 weeks. And my doctor was even concerned that I may go into preterm labor beforehand. So anytime I had any issues, if I didn't feel him moving, if I was having really strong, like what I thought Braxton Hicks contractions, I had to go into the doctor. Like, you know, most times you call and they're like, well, wait it out. My doctor, every single time I had to go in. So it was a very stressful pregnancy. Um, and again, I'm trying not to be stressed because I'm trying to not induce labor. Um, but unfortunately at 33 weeks, I went into preterm labor. I thought I was having Braxton Hicks contractions. They were like, you have to come in. I'm like, okay, we've already had so many false alarms. And I went in and my, it was really late at night, or like in the middle of the night, probably like two, three in the morning. And we're at the hospital. My husband had fallen asleep on the couch there. And I hear, I'm like in so much pain, I'm contracting so bad. And then I hear the nurses, like she is in labor and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, can someone go wake up my husband? Because if I'm having this baby right now, like he needs to wake up. And so he got up and they put me on a, um, a drip to try and stop my labor. Um, I started getting steroid shots for his lungs just in case I was going to have him. And um, they just kept giving me the magnesium drip to uh, like stop my labor. And it was the worst 
that magnesium, if anyone has ever had it is so bad. Like it makes you, they're like, you're going to feel like you have the flu, which is exactly how I felt. I was sweating. I just felt so gross. And I was like, okay, like I do, I'm like not prepared right now. It's only 33 weeks. The NICU team's coming in. We're getting to know them and things like that. Um, I was in the hospital for five days as they were trying to stop my labor. Um, and thankfully they were able to stop it um, to a point where they could put me on a pill medication that I could take at home because I couldn't stay on the magnesium. And they, every time they tried to take me off of it at the hospital, my contractions would start again. And so they just kept trying because I was so early on in my pregnancy. So um, they were able to stop my labor and I went home, um, but I was on very light duty, couldn't do a whole lot. I pretty much stayed home every day. I went to one uh, bridal shower that I did not want to miss for my little cousin. And other than that, I just stayed home, didn't do anything. And then was induced at 36 weeks. Um, I went in, my doctor was like ready to go. I went in the hospital. I'm not even kidding. I couldn't even get dressed in my gown. And before my doctor came in and she was like, Hey, we're breaking your water. Like we got to get this going because I had so many complications. They just wanted to get Caden out and have him safe. So like we broke my water and everything started progressing pretty quickly. I was like, okay, we're breaking my water this soon. Like I need epidural like right now, because I was so scared since it was my second pregnancy and I was already in preterm labor that like everything was going to progress so fast. And then they'd be like, oh, sorry, can't have your epidural. So, um, I got my epidural and then, um, everything slowed down. I wasn't progressing. I was like stuck at like five, six centimeters for hours. Um, wasn't in pain, obviously, but I was just like so tired. And um, I had a bunch of different nurses. Um, this was pre-COVID time. So it was um, a different experience. And like I had like a lot of people in there all the time. And then I actually got this one nurse who came in and she was like more like had holistic kind of background and everything. And she's like, Hey, like, do you mind if we try something different? Like, I'd love to do some stretches with you. I was like, honestly, like I'm up for anything. I just want to like have my son. And she was like, okay, because they started talking about C-sections and I was like, I just want to have him um, naturally. And so, you know, obviously if we had to have a C-section, I'd be all for it, but I just wanted to try. So we did these stretches. I don't know what like crazy trick she did, but I'm not kidding. I went from six centimeters to 10 in like 10 minutes. And like my doctor came in and she was like, you are ready. Um, cause I was getting that like pressure feeling. I'm like, I don't feel so good down there. And they're like, yeah, you're ready to have him. So, um, we had him, everything was great. Um, I had some like blood pressure issues, um, just from the epidural and how long it was taking, but everything was fine. He was fine. Um, since he was early, um, they just did have to check him a lot. And thankfully we did have the steroid shots for his lungs 
and everything was great. So we didn't think we were going to stay there super long, but there were a couple of tests that he kept failing. One of which was like a car seat test, um, which is especially for uh, premature babies to do, to make sure that they don't have any breathing issues when they're in the car from being so small in a car seat. And he kept failing that test. So we were there for two extra days because of that. Um, they had to like have time in between tests. So they're like, we're, you're going to be here pretty much until um, he passes it. And then if he isn't passing it and doesn't pass the other test, he'll have to stay here in the NICU. And then um, I'll get, I got discharged, but then I could stay with him in the NICU. And he um, eventually passed. So we did not have to stay in the NICU. And I was super grateful for that. And um, we were able to go home. So after a long, crazy pregnancy, we had a healthy baby boy and now he is two. I can't believe it. My daughter is almost six. Um, but during this time, I just realized I'm like, life is so short. Like I had lost my mom. I'd gone through these crazy pregnancies. It was like, I I'm tired of doing something that I don't love to do every single day. I love being a mom. I want to love my job. So that's why I started the social lifestyle co. Um, and I'm able to do what I love for work. I'm able to stay home with my kiddos. I'm able to show them that mom can be home and be an amazing mom and also have a job that she loves. And I'm just so thankful for it. I'm so thankful that I have two healthy kids after crazy pregnancies and that I'm able to just watch them grow and not have like any health complications after all of that, that we went through. So, um, that is my birth story and I am so thankful to be sharing it with you guys. And I want to put this like disclaimer out there or, uh, like a PSA is like cholestasis is a very scary thing. And, um, a lot of people don't know about it. The biggest, um, symptom that you can get the most common symptom is itchiness all over your body. So you're itchy 24 seven, not just like normal belly itchiness. It's like all over your body. So if you're feeling that at all, bring it up to your doctor, let them know. Um, I'm not saying this to scare anyone or anything, but I do, I'm in a support group for cholestasis. And I know so many moms who have lost their babies to cholestasis, who have gone through so many health complications. And we all have just like made a pact to anytime we share our birth stories, like to tell people about cholestasis and just what, what it can do. And that way you can learn about it and know about it and talk to your daughter or your doctor about it. If you're feeling um, like itchy or uncomfortable or anything like that, that could be a symptom of, of cholestasis. So, um, I just wanted to say that, and thank you so much for letting me share my birth story with you. This was great. And I am just so thankful to be sharing this on a platform with a bunch of other amazing mamas. So thank you so much. And again, my name is Taryn and I'm the CEO and founder of the social lifestyle co. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay, stay bossy. bossy.